All right, we're going to go ahead and continue on with our study in the book of Galatians. Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 here tonight. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word here tonight, Lord. We thank you, God, for the privilege and the honor that is ours to be here in the house of the Lord. Again, I thank you for all those that are listening online, Lord Jesus. We thank you that they're tuning in and that they're joining us and that they're being a part of the service, Lord. I thank you for these that are uh, taking a step of faith right now, Lord, because I know that it's difficult coming to church right now, Father, with all these things that we're dealing with and struggling with. And we continue to pray for our president, Lord God, and all those that are affected in our national government by this uh, disease, Lord, and all those that are sick, that you would bring healing to them, Lord. Bless the reading of your word now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Very good. Okay. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, the Bible says this. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, last week we took some time to point out that our God was very, very concerned about the Galatians. We have to remember that the church at this time was in its infancy. It was just getting started. And it was, it was centralized in Jerusalem right, and Samaria, right there in Israel. But God said, you know what? I want this word. I want the gospel to get out. I want it to get out to all the world. And so he ended up motivating and inspiring a Saul and Barnabas to go on their first missionary journey to let them know all about salvation in and through Jesus Christ. And we found this in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, where God sent them out purposely into the world to get out of Jerusalem, to get out of Israel, and to go into the world with the gospel. And it says here in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And just like the Apostle Paul was sent by God to the Galatians, the Holy Spirit made sure that someone was sent to us to let us know about salvation in and through Jesus Christ. And we pointed out last week, and we celebrated last week, and we thank God for that for last week, for that day that someone came to you. I don't know how you heard the gospel, whether it was on the radio, or somebody came and talked to you about it, or on TV, or God gave you a dream. or vision. However you heard the gospel, thank God that God cared enough about you to send someone your way so that you can hear the gospel and you can receive salvation. How many of you thank God for that day in your life? Amen? And so, the Holy Spirit made sure that they heard the gospel, just like the Holy Spirit is making sure that we heard the gospel. And just like the Holy Spirit is making sure that those of you online right now are hearing the gospel. It is not by accident that you have tuned in to this particular website or channel or whatever you want to call it. It's not by accident. God has you listening on purpose so that you could hear the glorious gospel that Jesus Christ died and rose again on the third day. And he's coming back again for his people. Praise God. The reality is that even today, there are certain parts of the world where Jesus Christ 
is forbidden to be spoken. How many of you understand what I just said? Even today, there are still certain parts of the world where the name of Jesus is forbidden. It is against the law. There is a death penalty if you mention the name of Jesus in certain parts of the world even today. I know that that's hard for you to, to grasp, that that's the reality of the world that we live in. And because of that, the Bible assures us that everyone that has ever been born on this earth, regardless of their culture, regardless of their language, or geographical location, or status in life, will have a chance to receive salvation. This is very important because many people will ask you, hey, what about those people that have never heard the gospel? What about those people that have never heard about the name of Jesus? What's going to happen to them if the only way through salvation is through Jesus? Well, guess what? God is concerned about them. God knows what's going on, and he's going to take care of that. The most important thing, when somebody comes to you and ever says to you, what about those people that had never heard the name of Jesus? You tell them, I'm going to give you the answer, but right now you're hearing about Jesus, and what are you going to do about it? Don't be worrying about those people that haven't heard the name of Jesus. Let's worry about you because I'm telling you about Jesus right now. But let me tell you about those people that have never heard of Jesus, what God says. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verses 18 through 21, I'm going to read it out of the Good News Translation so that it will hopefully make a little bit more sense to you. It says this, But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. This is something that is very important for you to understand. For those that have never heard the gospel, this is what God says. He says, for even for those people that are not allowed to hear the name of Jesus or the gospel or have a Bible or church or any kind of Christianity, I'm going to make sure from the very beginning of time, every single human birth, person that's ever been born on the earth, God says, I will reveal myself to them through nature. I'm going to show them the sun, the moon, the stars, the sky, the trees, the, the flowers, the grass, the dirt, the way things grow. I'm going to reveal to them that there is a God up in heaven that makes all this happen. I will supernaturally reveal it to them and give them the opportunity to either accept that or reject it. So God says, I'm going to work from the outside in to reveal that I am God. That's my promise to all humanity from the very beginning of time. The second thing that God says is in Romans chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. And he says this, even Gentiles or non-Jewish people who do not have God's written law. They don't have the Bible. They don't have access to the Bible. They have never even seen a Bible. They don't even know what the word Bible means. It says this. 
even Gentiles who do not have God's written law, show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Jesus Christ, will judge everyone's secret life. So what is that saying? It's saying that God has given every single human being, being, uh, from the very beginning of time, a conscience. And he speaks to that conscience of that individual soul. And he lets them know this is right, this is wrong. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable. Be careful, Cain, because you're about to kill your brother, and that's unacceptable. Cain knew what was right. He knew it was God speaking to him, but he did it anyway. That's why the Bible says, when anyone comes up to me in heaven, they will have no excuse whatsoever because I have personally made it my business as God to reveal myself to them in a very intimate and personal way from the outside in through nature and from the inside out through our conscience. Does that make sense to everyone? That's God's promise. Last week we also spoke about the fact that Paul got to physically experience the resurrected Christ. He saw the resurrected Christ. He heard the voice of the resurrected Christ and he spoke to the resurrected Christ. And we also spoke about the grace of God. And we tried to define grace by demonstrating the example of Paul himself. Grace is the power of God. Grace is the supernatural, miraculous intervention of God in our lives where God is able to somehow change or rewire the heart and the mind of a man or a woman who is a hater of God or who is in darkness or who is ignorant of God or dead to God and through grace make that man or woman into a completely different person. Did you hear what I just said? Take that warped, twisted, lost, dark, all tore up individual and supernaturally, when the grace of God touches that individual's life, supernaturally turns that person's heart and mind around so that that man or woman now is completely different and makes that person become a lover of God and a follower of God instead of a hater of God. A person who earnestly desires to please God. Before grace, we wanted to please ourselves. But once grace hits, we want to please God. Listen to the type of a man that the Apostle Paul was. In Acts chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, we read this last week, but I want to go over it again. It says this, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was through thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, women and throwing them into prison. As a high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be 
punished. The apostle Paul was vicious. He was zealous and he was passionate and a passionate hater of Jesus Christ. He was vicious, zealous, and a passionate hater of Christians. He was vicious, zealous, and a passionate hater of the church. And he was a cold blooded killer. Richard Castro, our brother, he showed me a, a video last week of a young man who had been a hitman for the Mexican mafia for many, many years. He was a hardcore, violent, cold-blooded, and heartless killer. But guess what? He experienced the grace of God, and he became a completely different person. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying here tonight? Our, one of our head ushers, Roy Rodriguez, Julie has an uncle. His name is Rolo. Okay? Now, her uncle Rolo, every time we see our uncle Rolo, the first question out of his mouth is, how is Roy doing? And thank God I can say, Uncle Rolo, guess what? He's still going to church, Uncle Rolo. He's still following Jesus, Uncle Rolo. He's still staying faithful to God, Uncle Rolo. You know why he's concerned about that? Because Uncle Rolo knew Roy before he became a Christian. He knew Roy. Now, I didn't know Roy before he became a Christian. Vivian sitting here, his own daughter, she didn't know Roy before he became a Christian. But Uncle Rolo, he knew Roy before he became a Christian. And he saw with his own eyes what God did to Roy Rodriguez. He saw the power of the grace of God. And it so impacted him. It so impacted Uncle Rollo that the first thing he asked us is, how is Roy doing? You know why? Because he wants Roy to make it. He wants Roy to stay faithful to God because he knew the way Roy was before. He doesn't want to see Roy go back to that anymore. God doesn't want any of us to go back to the way we were before. No, no, no. We were lost and on our way to hell, people. It is the power of God to turn a man or woman like you and me into a child of God, into a man of God, into a woman of God. How can you define what God has done to us? How can you define what God has done for us? And what can you define what God has done in us and how He is transforming us even right now? If you can find words to describe that miraculous, supernatural, amazing, and powerful transformation of a man or woman, then you will be able to define the grace of God. Church, there are no words to describe or to explain or to define the grace of God. No words in our human vocabulary. It is indescribable. This is the power of God. This is the work of God. Only God can take the wicked and selfish heart of a man or woman and change it completely. And only God can allow his Holy Spirit to live inside of a messed up man or woman that is struggling and guide that man or woman into the things of God. Now let's go back to verse 3 because it mentions something else that is important. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 3 it says this. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only is the word grace used there, but peace is used there. That word peace is mentioned in verse 3. That word peace is very important. How many of you would agree that the majority of the world is searching for peace today? Now, I actually did not plan this to happen. I just went off this prayer request that our sister Darlene had written, and then I thought about Rob, okay? 
But he just gave us a testimony and a prayer about how he's praying for there to be peace in Armenia. These people are, 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 are fighting and, and there's all kinds of conflict and people are dying and, he, and, and they need peace. And as men, they, they can't figure it out. The word peace is very important. People pay lots of money to try to get some peace. We as people seem to always be struggling to be at peace. We never seem to have enough money and this robs us of our peace. We are If we are one pound overweight, this takes away our peace. If we can't find something to wear, this takes away our peace. When we hear rumors of layoffs at work, this takes away our peace. When we go to the doctor or dentist, this takes away our peace. When I mention the word corona, you either think of protecting yourself from the virus or you think of yourself drinking your corona beer, watching your football game. The sad reality is this, that the Corona beer will not give you peace. It will not help your team to win. That tequila that you want to drink, it won't give you peace. That Thorazine or that Xanax or that Prozac or that heroin or that meth, it won't give you peace. It may knock you out. It may take you into another zone. But guess what? You're going to come down and you're going to be worse than you ever were. Relationships won't give you peace. Sexual promiscuity won't give you peace. Finding your security in politics or systems of this world or in medications of this world or in the things of this world or in the treasures and the powers of this world, they will not give you peace. Just look at the lives of these movie stars and these politicians. They're more messed up than you and I are. That's right, Darlene. That's right. And yet the Apostle Paul tells us here in verse 3 that we, he prays that we will experience the peace that comes from God. This is a gift. Peace is a gift. I like what Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says this, and it says this, And the peace of God, not the peace of this world, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Bible talks about the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all understanding. It surpasses all understanding. That means it goes beyond what you and I can even imagine. I mean, you can think of your worst, worst nightmare, your worst, worst tragic situation, and God says, I'm bigger than that. I am bigger than that. You think of your worst, 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 and I am bigger than that. This means that you can have peace even when things are completely out of control. You can have peace when nothing makes any sense. You can have peace when things around you are overwhelming. You can have peace when you cannot figure things out. You can have peace when you don't have any answers. You can have peace when it looks like there is no hope. Psalm chapter 46 verses 1 through 3 says this, God is our refuge and strength. Let me say that again. God, God is our refuge and strength. Let me say it one more time. God is our refuge, protector, covering, shield, and our strength. And then it says this, an ever-present help in trouble. Ever-present help. That means he is there on the spot anytime Anywhere, 24-7. You can't get Pastor Jerry 24-7. You can't get your spouse 24-7. You can't even get your dog 24-7. But God is there 24-7. An ever-present help. He is always there for you. He's always got your back. Always. 
especially when you're in trouble. That's when you can really depend on God, is when you are in trouble. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. In other words, hey, at first, man, if if there's an earthquake, I'm going to freak. I'm going to freak out. I'm telling you, I'm going to freak out. But then I'm going to get a hold of myself. And if I live through that earthquake, if, something, if, that's, if a speaker doesn't fall on me or some crazy thing like that, then okay, God, help me to get my mind right. Help me to get myself right and focus back on you. That's what we got to do, church. But before we can experience the peace of God, we must first have peace with God. Did you hear what I just said? Before you can experience the peace of God, you have to have peace with God. If you are not saved, if you're listening to me right now and you are not saved, or maybe you don't even know what the heck I'm talking about when I say saved, then you are at war with God. If you are not born again, and maybe you don't even understand what being born again means. There was a guy named Nicodemus. When Jesus told him you need to be born again, Nicodemus says, what are you talking about, Jesus? Does that mean I have to go back into my mother's womb and get be, be born all over again? No, no, no. Jesus said, you got to be born of God. If you are not born again, then you are dead in your own trespasses and in your own sin. If you are not a child of God, then you are a child of the devil. That doesn't sound nice. It doesn't sound cool. But I'm just telling you the way it is. If you don't belong to God, then you belong to the devil. And you're playing his game. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. That means if you're not connected to God, I don't care how much money you got, education you got, power you got, influence you got, if you're not connected to God, then you are without God and you are without hope. But now... You have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us by setting aside In his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was was put to death. He came and preached peace. To you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Listen, 
If you are not born again, if you're not saved, if you have not repented of your sins, if you have not cried out to God and say, Jesus, save me from my own sin. Forgive me of my own sin. I receive you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. If you haven't made that decision, then that means you are not connected to God. You are not saved and you'll never have peace. You are at war with God. You are literally at war with God. The Bible actually says we are enemies of God. Without Jesus, without the blood, without the cross, we are literally enemies of God. We are at war with God. So we need to make peace with God. And the only way that we can have peace with God is through Jesus Christ. It says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It says, in Christ Jesus. Jesus, peace with God and the peace of God can only be obtained in Christ Jesus, not through Muhammad, not through Scientology, not through Hinduism, not through yoga, not through Buddhism, not to Krishna, not through Baha'i, not through any other religion, not through a higher education or higher wages or AA or NA or the CIA or the FBI or the military or the police. No, in order to have peace with God and in order to have peace in God, you have to have God, you have to have Jesus Christ, who is the peace, Prince of Peace in your heart and in your life. He needs to be Lord. Isaiah 9, 6 says this, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And, it, and he will be called Wonderful. Speaking about Jesus. Is Jesus Wonderful Church? Yes. Counselor. Is Jesus our Counselor? Mighty God. Is Jesus our mighty God? Everlasting Father. Has He been good to us? Even those of you that don't have a father, has He been a good father to you? And then it says He's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Luke 2, verses 8 through 14. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. People need Jesus. He's the only one that can bring peace. Peace with God and peace among men. John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Isaiah 26, 3, final scripture for tonight. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I don't know what you may be going through tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I want, to know, I want, I want you to know something, that God is bigger than whatever it is that you're afraid of. God is bigger than whatever it is that you're stressed out about or concerned about. 
God is mightier and bigger than any issue or any, 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 anything that you may be going. I don't even have to name it. God's bigger than it. We need to focus our attention on Jesus. And when we do, church, we will experience his peace, that peace that surpasses understanding. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, for those that maybe are struggling right now and hurting and scared right now, Lord. We're living in a, very, in a world that is very insecure, very unstable. We don't know from day to day, Lord God, what's going to go down. Everything is changing moment by moment. And so, Lord God, we pray that you will begin to allow your spirit to reveal who you are to us in a very personal and intimate way. I especially want to pray for those, Lord God, that perhaps do not know you as Lord and Savior. Perhaps they don't understand what it means to be saved or to be born again. Lord God, I pray right now that you would supernaturally touch their minds and their hearts so that they may experience the grace, your grace, on their lives. If you're listening to me right now and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus, and I want to make that decision right now. If that's you here and the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart, you need to respond. You need to, don't push it away. Don't ignore it. Don't think that it's some kind of, no, no, no. This is God, and he's tugging at your heart. He's tugging at you, and he's wanting you. He's drawing you in. But you have to respond. And if you're ready to do that, just repeat this prayer with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you not really understanding what's going on. But I know right now that you are real. You are God. And you're tugging at my heart. And I'm responding to your call on my life. I willingly open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, come in. Take over my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe that you died and that you rose again on the third day and that you live forevermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I just want to pray for all of you that are here tonight, those of you that are Christians and you're going through anything. Let's pray and ask God to bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for all your people here tonight, Lord, that you, Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will bless your people and encourage them. And we thank you that they're here in church tonight, Lord. We pray for those that are online, that are already Christians, that are already followers. But Lord, as Christians, we go through tough times. We go through difficult times. You even said, we're going to go through trouble. But we don't have to be afraid or discouraged because you said you will be with us. You have overcome the world. And we're going to put our trust in you. And we're going to have our peace in you. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. Amen.